If you have your Bibles this morning, take them to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I want to talk to you about one verse, one verse this morning, 1 Corinthians 16, 15. It's actually found uh, within uh, parentheses. My board certification is in internal medicine, which is basically adult medicine. My subspecialty uh, is in addiction medicine. And so as I'm reading through the Word of God, I try to read through the Word of God on a yearly basis. Uh, I came across, once again, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 15, where in the Bible, as far as I can tell, uh, the only time the word addicted is used. And I thought to myself, self, uh, let's pray about this and ask God to help bring a message in regards to what the Bible says is they addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Let me read that verse, verse 15, and then have a word of prayer. I beseech you, brethren, and then it starts the parentheses, you know the house of Stephanus, and that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. And I want to talk to you this morning about they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, your Son and our Savior. I pray that this morning you would give us understanding and wisdom. Holy Spirit, that you would work in every heart. Give all of us clarity of thought and mind right now. And Father, help us as you lead through this service. Help us make good, godly decisions this morning. Help us submit to the Word of God. Help us be addicted to the ministry of the saints. And Father, in all that you're going to do, help us be very careful to give you all the honor, glory, and praise. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I believe all of you would agree that when I bring up the term addiction, it has a negative focus, a negative connotation to it, uh, because addiction in our nation and even in the world is devastating uh, families, it's devastating organizations, it's devastating churches, it's devastating a lot of things in our, in our society. But addiction of itself, and listen to me closely now, addiction is not wrong. The object of your addiction is the problem. You think about it, and if I were to say that uh, do not covet, as the Bible says, coveting an earnest desire for something uh, is wrong. And I think all of us would agree and say amen. But coveting by itself is not wrong. It's the object of what you are coveting, because Paul told the Corinthians just a few chapters earlier, but covet earnestly the best gifts. And so coveting is not wrong. Being addicted is not wrong. It's what you're addicted to can be wrong. What you're coveting could be wrong. And so it's okay to be addicted to God. It's okay to earnestly desire or to covet God, His Word, and His righteousness. 
So it's okay to be addicted to the right things. And so you think about it, and I was thinking about it as I was putting this together. What is actual addiction? And what it is, it's when you are preoccupied with something. It's the first thing that you think about when you get up in the morning, and it's the last thing that you're dwelling on when you go to sleep at night. It is something or someone that permeates your entire life. It saturates uh, your entire life. It's what your life is all about. And it is also not only something you're preoccupied with that permeates your entire existence, but you're very passionate about it. Addictions where you lose control. People come to my office, or have come, now that I'm changing, I talk in past tense. They've come to my office in the past. Mom and dad will bring in a young daughter or a young son, or sometimes a spouse will bring in their, their other spouse, or maybe grandparents will bring in a grandchild, and uh, they'll say this individual is addicted to alcohol or drugs, and they'll give me the story, and I'll listen to them, and then... Uh, sometimes they'll say, well, uh, my son or my daughter is taking 20 or 30 Vicodin or Percocet or Oxycodone on a daily basis. It's costing them two to $300 a day to support their habit. And I'll listen to the story from the mom and dad, and then I'll turn to the son or the daughter, and I'll say, is that true? Do you have a problem? And many times... Uh, the patient will look back at me and say this, no, I've got it all under control. And I have learned when people make that statement to me, oh, I've got this under control, that's when they don't have it under control. Be careful when you start thinking, I've got this under control. Because you probably don't. But addiction's where you lose control. Addiction is where you cannot quit. And addiction is... And the physical sense that we're talking about is when uh, there are negative consequences associated with your behavior. Now, when I say the word of addiction, the, the word addiction, many of you, and I used to do this myself, we, I, we would immediately think what? Drugs and alcohol. And that's true, but there's more to it than that. Many today are addicted to pornography. Pornography is not a rite of passage for a young man. Uh, pornography is not some innocent activity that an individual does, whether male or female. It is ungodly, it is wicked, it is sin, and it has potentially devastating consequences on a person's life. And if any of you are dabbling or dealing in this this morning, please seek out the leadership here at West Coast so that they can help you out of that bondage and walk in the liberty of Jesus Christ. But it goes further than that. I find as I travel in church, around to churches on behalf of the RU Recovery Program, there are a lot of Christians that they're not addicted to drugs or alcohol or pornography, but they're addicted to anger. And one of the root issues with anger is that anger controls. And people are addicted to the control in one aspect that anger allows. But not only that, how about, and you've probably seen it, 
addicted to criticism. Can't say a good word about anybody or anything. It's always critical. It's always negative. And they are preoccupied with that thought process. It permeates their life and they're passionate about their critical attitude. But how about laziness? Be careful as the semester, I think you only have four or five weeks left. Be careful not to get lazy. End well. End strong. I remember being graduated from undergraduate. I, I shoved four years into three years in my undergrad. And then I'm thinking, oh, my soul, I've got four more to go for medical school. And then I really didn't comprehend at that time that I had four more after that of residency. But I'm going to tell you what, by the grace and mercy of God, I worked hard, stayed strong and ended well. And I encourage you to do that because we can get addicted to laziness. We can get addicted to indifference. Oh, I'm just here to get by. No, you're not. You are here to hone your skills and to get educated and to get equipped so that you can go out and make a difference, not only now, but for all eternity in this world. Oh, I'm just going to get by. You're addicted to indifference. You're preoccupied with your indifference. It permeates your life. You're passionate about it. And may I say, we have to be careful in our, in our, uh, in our community of Christians that we do not become addicted to self-righteousness. Or I think I'm better than everybody else. I think of the Apostle Paul the Apostle Paul, uh, talking about sinners, said, of whom I am chief. Paul was, in my opinion, uh, a wonderful, dedicated, passionate Christian. But he considered him, himself the chief of sinners. And I think that's the right attitude to have. See, I, as George Crabb, I say, you know what, my friends? I'm the chief of sinners. And then, one by one, everyone in here should stand and say, No, George, I'm the chiefest of sinners. I'm the chiefest of sinners. Because when you have that attitude, that attitude's workable with God. When you start to think, No, I'm not the chiefest of sinners. This person is. That person is. Be careful that self-righteousness is not entering into your life. Because one of the things I believe God hates is pride, uh, a proud look, and self-righteousness when you boil it down to the rudiments of what it is, is pride. And so we need, as the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 16, 15, not to be addicted to all these negative things that are going to bring us down, have negative consequences, are not going to affect people for eternity, but we need to be, as the Bible tells us, as these people were, addicted to the ministry of the saints. We need, I'm sure you've heard this before, we need to let go and let God. Don't have the bumper sticker or the attitude or the thought process that God is my co-pilot because that's exactly the problem. God is not my co-pilot. If he is my co-pilot, that means I'm the pilot, I'm steering the ship, and I'm going to drive that ship into oblivion and destruction. 
God is not a co-pilot. He doesn't take orders and just give out suggestions. He wants to be in total control of my life and your life. And he wants us to be addicted to him and the ministry of the saints. I believe, maybe here this morning, there are some that are addicted to their physical and emotional cravings instead of their spiritual calling. We have to set our cravings aside, our physical and emotional cravings, and be preoccupied with, be permeated with, be passionate about our spiritual calling for God. So I was thinking as I'm studying this, the ministry of the saints. And what is the ministry of the saints? And uh, I came up with 85 uh, reasons to be addicted to the ministry of the saints. That's just being funny. <laughs> there probably are 85, but I have five points that I want to give you this morning, what we are to be addicted to. Number one, the study of the scriptures. The study of the scriptures. You know these verses, 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Acts 17.11 tells us about those in Thessalonica that they searched the scriptures daily. Are you, my friends, I know you're in Bible college, but let me tell you this, this is not a textbook. It is the living Word of God, as Hebrews tells us, it is quick, it is alive, it's powerful. It can do things that no other book can do. In fact, this is the only book that can renew a right spirit. It is the only book that can restore a soul. There is no medicine, no prescription that I can give that will touch your spirit, touch your soul, but this Word of God can do it. It's not, don't treat it like a textbook. It's not like my medical textbooks. It's not like your history textbook. It's not like your science textbooks. All those are good in their place. This is the living word of God that can save a soul from hell. Are you preoccupied with it? Do you get in the Bible outside of classes? Do you have a personal, powerful relationship with God. You're only going to get that when you're in the Bible. On a consistent basis. Be preoccupied with the Bible. I've had people, I remember I was preaching at an RU meeting. It was a Friday night. I was there for the weekend and Friday night, they have, most of the time, they'll have their RU program on Friday night, and then we would preach on Saturday and preach on Sunday. But we were there on a Friday night, right before I'm ready to preach, and they call me to the back, and there is a man in his mid-30s lying on the ground underneath the coat rack in uh, prof profusely sweating and nauseous and can't even stand up. He's going through heroin withdrawal right there. I mean, frank heroin opiate withdrawal right there. And they want to know what to do. 
this man looked up to me, <clears throat> just sweat pouring off of him. He says, I'll be fine if you just give me a little heroin. Just give it to me, doctor. Just give it to me like I had some on me. I, 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 I didn't really, I thought I was looking around, looking at the RU director, thought he might have some, but just give me some heroin. I just need some heroin. And I said, no, that's not the answer. And we took care of him medically. But I thought about this, Dr. Getch, wouldn't that be wonderful if everyone here at West Coast Baptist College had that same passion for the Word of God? Just give me the Bible. It's the first thing I think about when I wake up. It's the last thing I meditate when I go to bed at night. I call it a God consciousness all the time. That no matter if I'm at work, I'm at school, I'm at home, I'm wherever I might be, I am conscious of God. Oh, my friends, study the scriptures, search the scriptures, be addicted to the word of God. Secondly, I call it support. Be addicted to support. It says in Hebrews 3.13, But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. We are, as children of God, to be addicted not only to the Scriptures, uh, but we are to be addicted to supporting one another, helping one another, encouraging one another. And I love how the Bible tells us that we are to do this, not weekly, not monthly, not just on Sundays, but he says to do it daily. I call that addiction to the right thing. When is the last time, young person, you wrote an email or a snail mail or a text to your mom or dad and thanked them? When's the last time? That's what we're talking about. When's the last time you sent an email, a text to your home pastor and thanked him for his faithfulness and his support? When's the last time you did that? May I even ask this, when's the last time you even thought about doing that? Some of you, you may not even have the thought, but we are to encourage. I'm going to tell you, when I was leaving the church that we go to, Gospel Baptist, we had a, 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 a little party afterwards. I didn't know how to take it. Uh, you know, we were leaving and they threw a party. Uh, I thought that they were happy that we were going, but uh, people would come by and shake our hands and give us a hug uh, and, and shared certain words with us on what we meant to them. Uh, sometimes I didn't really realize, you know, the impact you can have on a person's life. And they would share that with us, my wife and I, and wrote us out cards. And I'm going to tell you, it's encouraging. It wants me to keep going. It helps me. It propels me. It facilitates me wanting to do the will of God in my life. You can have that same impact. There was... Uh, an individual in my practice, she goes to church with us, that she had uh, malignant melanoma, which is a skin cancer that likes to spread. And she had it on her cheek. And it was invasive, so it already had locally spread its roots out. So they had to cut a wide part of her cheek off 
to contain the cancer, which, praise God, they did. But she uh, was very self-conscious, and I understand she had a huge incision uh, with many uh, sutures or uh, uh, staples, and she didn't come to church for a while. And one day, I'm just sitting in my office between patients, and the Lord laid her on my mind. I got my little scratch pad out, and I just wrote, thinking of you, praying for you, let me know if there's anything I can do, handwritten, threw it in the, uh, in the mail, and I'm going to tell you, about a month after that, at church, she came up to me crying, gave me a hug in front of my wife, said, Dr. Crabb, you don't know what that meant. How long did that take me? Probably the whole process took me 30 seconds. But what it meant to that lady, that's what we need to be addicted to. Encouraging each other, exhorting each other, supporting each other. And so not only to be addicted, I've just got to have the scriptures. I've, I've got to be uh, supporting uh, individuals, my family, my, my home pastor. Uh, when's the last time I can say that you shot an email to the leadership team here at West Coast or at the church or Pastor Chapel or Dr. Getch, Dr. R, Dr. Shuttler, many of your teachers out there and just, you don't have to have a 20-page paper, thank God. All you have to do is just say, I want to thank you for being faithful. So be, be addicted to that. Not to the other negative things we talked about, but be addicted to the scriptures and to support and to service is the third thing. We know that Jesus, as it says in Acts 10, 38, that Jesus went about doing good. It tells us in Psalm 34, 14, depart from evil, but that's not the whole story. Depart from evil and do good. And Psalm 37, 3, trust in the Lord, but that's not it. Trust in the Lord and do good. When's the last time you did good for somebody? Not with the thought that they could do good back but that you were just going to do good because you wanted to do something good. I believe doing good, especially to lost people, cultivates the soil for future opportunity to give the gospel. To do good. One Friday evening, when I was at the hospital, around 5, 5.30, I was not on call that weekend so when I was done Friday, I was actually able to go home and not receive any calls for the weekend, which is rare. My associate was on call. About 5, 5.30 on a Friday, I get a call that there's a lady, she's in her mid-80s, and she's being admitted for congestive heart failure. Her heart is failing. I knew the lady somewhat as a physician, and I'm thinking, okay, it's 5, 5.30. It's reasonable for me to go home and let my associate handle the admission on Saturday morning. It's reasonable. It's 5, 5.30. Right? That's, that's reasonable thought, or at least I thought it was. But I liked my associate, hardworking guy. 
I already kind of knew the lady, so I, it would be easier for me to do the work than for him. So 5, 5.30, instead of going home, I went to her room, and I said, hi, it's Dr. Crabb. She knew me, and I called her by name. She's in her mid-80s. She's been admitted to the hospital uh, multiple times for heart failure. I came in. I took the chair and scooted it up to the bed right by her. I sat down, and I said, so how are things going? And she said, Dr. Crabb, I just want to die. And the Holy Spirit had me reply this way, are you sure you're ready? And that lady looked at me and said, what do you mean? Am I ready to die? And I was able, and I asked her, may I share with you, because I'm there for physical reasons, but I asked her, can I share with you what I meant? She said, absolutely. I took my New Testament out of my white coat that I have on my right side, and I shared with that mid-80-year-old lady right there in the hospital room the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that lady in her hospital room got saved that evening. I believe I was able to be used of God to, to see that lady come to know Christ because I did good to my partner. I did good. I did a good work like Jesus did. And that opened the opportunity because my associate would never bring that up. But God had it all orchestrated. I did good. Opportunity arose. The gospel was shared. A mid-80-year-old lady was saved. And I'm going to tell you, six months later, she was dead. Not only are we to be addicted to, have it preoccupy us, permeate our life, be passionate about the scriptures and supporting each other and service to others, but we are also to be addicted to being soul conscious. We know that he that winneth souls is wise. We know that it's the will of God that every man, woman, and child come to know Christ as Savior. I don't believe there's a select few that God has chosen to go to heaven and the rest to go to hell. I believe Jesus Christ, as the Bible says, is the Savior of the whole world, especially to them that believe. We're to be soul conscious. I had a gentleman come in just last week. I'm closing up my office. He comes to see me. He says, Dr. Crabb, I'm not feeling well. I said, well, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. He said, I'm just not feeling well. And so I did blood work on him. Well, he came back. There's five stages. I know you want to know this, so I'm going to tell you. There's five stages of chronic kidney disease. Stage five is when you go for dialysis. I get his blood test back, and he's in stage four already. And I'm thinking to myself, what happened? No wonder he's not feeling well. And so I do an ultrasound on his kidneys, and again, I know you want to know this, it came back showing bilateral, both sides, hydronephrosis, both sides, both kidneys are swollen. Not only does the ultrasound show that, but it shows something going on in his liver. And so the radiologist recommended I get a CT scan of his abdomen. So I get a CT scan of his abdomen. It shows the kidneys that are swollen, and it shows a bad gallbladder with liver irritation. Not only now does it show that, but when you get a CT scan of the abdomen, it shows the lower part of your lungs, and on the left side of his lower lung is a mass. 
that the radiologist said is probably a cancer. So I had him come back actually a week ago yesterday, my last week in my office in Naples, and talk to him and outline all that we needed to do even though I was leaving in a few days. And I had my church pray because this man's life will soon physically be over. And I asked the church to pray that I'd have the opportunity to share the gospel with them. And in my exam rooms, I have gospel tracts. I have Bibles. I have other godly books, promise book, etc. I tried my best to bring up the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Dr. Getch, every time I brought it up, he shot me down. And I know he doesn't comprehend this yet, this patient. His days are numbered. In fact, all of ours are. But his are more apparent. But he didn't want to hear it. But we need to be addicted to being soul conscious. Not everyone's going to hear it. But we need to be conscious about their soul. Physically, he will pass, but he will never pass away. He will be in hell or heaven one day. And we need to allow that soul conscious in our, in our minds that it preoccupies us. That everyone walking by has a soul. You might say, well, I'm saved. My family's saved. I don't have anything else to do, my friends. That's not the mind of God. We need to be soul conscious. Lastly, we need to be separated. We need to be addicted to separation. It says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 4, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Paul told the Corinthians to come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. It says in James 127, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. We need to allow that separation. I don't want any of the world in me. I want all of God in me. I want the Holy Spirit to control me. I want to think like the Bible, talk like the Bible, live like the Bible. I don't want any of that worldly stuff in me, whether it be uh, from Hollywood with all the trash that they go on and say and live, uh, to the music, to anything else. May we be separated from this world, set aside unto God to be used in His service, and may we be preoccupied with it. May it permeate our lives, and may we be passionate about it. I look at this verse, all of you I think would agree the negative side of addiction, but how about being addicted to the ministry of the saints? I look at that statement that he makes in verse 15, and it says, they have addicted themselves. I, I pray that every individual in here this morning wants to be addicted to the ministry of the saints. But it's a choice. It says, they have addicted 
themselves. They chose who they were going to give control to. And that was to God. That was to the Word of God. That was to the ministry of the saints. And not only is it a choice, but as you can see in how it is written, they being plural, it's not only an individual choice, which I pray every one of you will make. I am going to be addicted to the ministry of the saints so that I can make an impact now in a person's life and throughout all eternity. So it's not only a personal choice, but it is contagious. Because it was they, it's plural. You get one person to do it. And for some, it's easier for them when they see someone else, for them to make that same decision. You might say, well, I'm not going to make that decision unless someone else does. Why don't you be what we call the nidus or the, the one that starts it? And stand up for God and say, listen, I don't care about friends. I don't care about anybody else. I care what the Bible says. And I, you, I am going to be addicted to the ministry of the saints. It's going to preoccupy my mind. It's going to permeate my life. And I am going to be passionate about it. I just must have it. Like the drug addict would want his drugs, the alcoholic wanting the alcohol, the one with pornography wanting their pornography. May it be for us the Bible, all the word of God, and service for the King of Kings. I ask you this morning, what are you addicted to? May all of us be able to stand and say, this morning... I'm addicted to the ministry of the saints.